by the time you hear this podcast, you'll be glad Billy Joel didn't turn this into a reggae song. podcast i'm greg i'm ben and we are back for our first episode of 2018 thank you to everyone who has listened so far excuse us for the break but we are back we're human we get one every now and then this is episode <laughs> 70 thank you to everyone who has uh listened so far and downloaded and watched us live and uh supported us um in any way. <laughs> so, um, as we get into that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to let you know once again, where you can find us, uh, in case you want to tell your friends about it or in case you don't want to read the episode description, but, uh, you can find us on facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, especially if you're watching this on Facebook live right now, you've already found us. <laughs> yes. And that is spelled with the word you. That's also the same spelling for our website. By the time you hear this.com blogs, the website in which you could see all our episodes, see links and videos to uh, topics that we have discussed. You can also follow us even further on social media yes. at by uh at by the time you hear this on Instagram spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes, we are. Practice that in the car. <laughs> <laughs> not, I'm not joking cuz I thought I was going to say the other one Thank that you. we used to say. Cheer <laughs> yeah. us up a little bit here. All right. And um that is the same spelling for our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com. You can send us your comments, questions, concerns, show ideas. If you're an independent artist, we'll play your music for no charge. We are, we are not with the, we are not with the payola around here. It doesn't suit us. Mm -mm. And uh, if you want to listen to us on the go, you can find us on the Apple podcast app. And that's it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you ain't funny. 
also Google Music, not Google Play, Google, Google Music. music. Yes. If you listen to podcasts on your Android device, we're, of course, on Podomatic, TuneIn, Auto Radio, Overcast, CastBox, and Satchel Podcast Player. So, uh, let's get into the show here. Uh, music news, of course, we always discuss that first. So, um, we this has been a running joke for about 15 years, 16, 17 years, possibly. And that is the release of Dr. Dre's <laughs> detox. <laughs> it was supposed to be his final album. Mm-hmm. He was going to, he was going to, um, retire as an artist at least. And just, and just stick to producing. And years went by. It never came out. And then, once straight out of Compton came out, he came out with the album Compton. Yeah. It's like, oh, is is this detox? No, it's not. Turns out it's not. <laughs> so um I don't know if people have gotten over it. It was like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, detox, all right. Yeah, you're coming out with detox, we understand. Mm, I wanna yes. hear it just because I think there was a commercial he was in for Cadillac, I believed, where he teased a beat from Detox and it was amazing. <laughs> It was really good. And I was like, I'll wait. <laughs> mm. I'll wait. There's album covers, like fake album covers and everything for it. Yeah. Um, people have been waiting a long time for it. And um, it's his being a perfectionist that has delayed it. But how did he come out with Compton then? If he's such a perfectionist. I don't know. And Compton was pretty good. I don't know if you've you know had a chance to listen to it, but it's a pretty good record. Uh, I haven't listened to the whole thing uh, yet, but it's going to be, um, it's, it's, it's just, it's just where like, I, I don't know what to make of it now. Like, okay, no, I don't either now. Okay. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. It, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Detox. Right. We're, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's cool kind of one of those, right? you know, he'll talk about it until the end of time. It almost kind of seems like one of those records where if he dies, they're like, oh, yeah, we got detox. Like we have, <laughs> like he, he can't stop us now <laughs> from releasing it. And I think that might be if he unless he releases it, that might be the only way we get it, because I wouldn't be surprised if it's finished. Like if you're able to tease a beat in a commercial, you've probably got, if not the majority of it finished, it's finished. Well, it's kind of like. um well, no one, no one, I guess no one was going to do that to do this to him. Uh, I've told you about with the, uh, for the documentary beats rhymes in life about a tribe called quest mm-hmm. when they were making, um, I'm not sure if it was midnight marauders or one of their, or the low end theory, but Q-tip is such a perfectionist. <laughs> he was just, he kept, you know, remixing and remixing and, and making edits here to where at one point, someone had to like take the masters from him is like look it's done <laughs> it's done so they had to like take the album from him so it can finally be released um there's no one who who would do that to dr dre i guess not, not even jimmy Iovine. yeah no, especially jimmy Iovine respects him too much <laughs> um so now i don't i don't think he would and i don't think there's anyone else powerful enough right now that could do it to him so so, yeah, I mean, like, the one person who probably could won't. So, yeah, we'll, we'll probably never hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Detox coming 
whenever, Coming not, not soon <laughs> or what? I don't know. All right. So, uh, I found this story, um, a little while ago. Well, actually, before we get to that, um, we talked about the golden globe nominees and, uh, the songs that were nominated for best original song. And the winner was this is me by Justin Paul and Ben Pasek from the film, the greatest showman. So for the second year in a row, um, wait, uh, let me see if they won last year. I think they won. Uh, did they write city of stars from La La Land? From I don't La know La if they Land? won the golden globe, but I know they won the grant, not the Grammy, the, um, Oscar. Yeah, yes, Oscar, they, yes. they did. They co-wrote it with Justin Hurwitz, but it was just uh, Paul and Pasek this time. They wrote, this is me from the greatest showman. So back to back, they go back to back. Yeah. Um, I was, I yeah. was, I was, I was pulling for home, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see if the, um, how it will go for the Academy Awards. Um, they're probably going to be nominated and they're probably have the, the best chance to win. Um, and Hugh Jackman did not, I, that actually happened to be the one award I, um, happened to pass by when I was like, just channel surfing. Mm. It was, um, best actor. I think it was like James Franco, James Franco won actually for, uh, the disaster artist, which I, I need, I need to see that. I still haven't seen yeah, it yet. I would like to see it. Um, and it looked, I think he brought up Tommy Wiseau with him and they just like cut up <laughs> on stage. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I do want to see it, even though I think James Franco is nearing that Sean Penn status. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. He's getting there. That'll, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, I don't, cause I haven't seen many movies with him where he gets very serious, but I could see that happening. I could see that happening. Um, well, I mean, he's, he's at the point where he's like, he's, he's done a lot of films. He's done like a lot more than is released. Like these go straight to DVD. These are like art house films. Yeah. He has a lot of those. I, that I did not Which know. he's written and or directed. Hmm. I didn't know that. So he's more a more prolific Sean Penn. He's good. But anyway, um, so congratulations to this is me. Um, I wonder if the uh, the people who vote on the awards, if they listen to the movie version or the Kesha version. Oh, yeah. I forgot she did do one. Yeah. All right. So we will. uh uh, was our next story here. I found this story that um, there's a Michael Jackson documentary titled Michael, the last photo shoots. And uh, there Michael Jackson's estate is uh, close to going to trial in a dispute over this documentary. Nova Williams films uh, sued John Branca and John McClain, the executors of Michael Jackson's estate seeking a declaration that the documentary doesn't infringe the copyright in photos and video of Michael Jackson and the U S district judge, Paul Crotty denied the executor's motion for summary judgment as well as Noble's cross motion for partial summary judgment, finding there are numerous factual disputes in the case, including one 
over who actually owns video footage of Jackson taken during Vogue and Ebony photo shoots. I haven't heard Ebony in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the use of photos is uh, the use of photos of Michael Jackson. Um, it's something to be protected still. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, according to Crotty's decision, uh, Novell or Novel uh, claims the footage was initially owned by Hassan Muhammad, but was subsequently transferred to Craig J. Williams and then Bonaventure Films. Bonaventure granted Novell an exclusive license to use it. Meanwhile, Jackson's estate maintains that it is the owner of the footage because they and Muhammad agreed that he wouldn't exploit it without Jackson's consent. And uh, the judge said, since Jackson is deceased, the only living person with direct information on the ownership is Muhammad. But Muhammad has proven to be more elusive than a phantom. <laughs> so, so even they can't get him to to say or to like give uh, his his permission. Um, and it's it's crazy that the the use of we're just talking about you know some photos pictures. and videos yeah. and. It is a major issue. I don't know if can people be exploited like that anymore. I mean, in the days of where anyone can take a picture and take a video, uh, can people like? I mean, it can be used to exploit. As far as I, I've, I feel when I hear exploitation in, in this regard, I'm thinking of like um, National Enquirer or yeah. something, Star Magazine. Well, I mean, he's, I don't know. I think, What's the issue in this case to where um, it's something to to protect or something to at least go to court over? People who try, probably trying to make money off his memory, I'd imagine. If you've got exclusive, that's worth more. So yeah. I imagine maybe people who want to make money off of this want it to maybe exclusive rights or deals are in place or going into place. I mean, that'd be the only way because, yeah, we have access to any and everything pretty much now. That's the only thing I, I could think of. So, like someone, I mean, whoever is in charge of the state pulling the strings. Yeah, it, I, I've, I, I, I can understand that to where there may be some monetary value with that. Like I saw a video of, um, it was, it was uh, hilariously titled. It was like Michael Jackson's pettiest moments, <laughs> and um, there was a, it was like a home video to where, um. Like he he's behind the camera and he's pointing it at Randy, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Randy, dance, do a dance, Randy." <laughs> and then Randy starts doing a dance, and then you hear Michael say, "Look at this clown!" <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and then I think Joseph started walking up to Randy. He's like, "Uh oh, here come the bear." <laughs> I didn't know he had this sort of sense of humor. Yeah, there was and there was another one to where. Um, like it was, it was him in front of the camera. I guess they just got this, you know, a camcorder, you know, mm-hmm. one, you know, this is the eighties still. <laughs> and, um, he's like, he's like, are you, um, he's like, are you, are you zoomed in enough? Or are you, are you far back enough? He's like, I, I think it's okay. And Michael was sitting and he's like, so, well, what do you see? Like, do you, do you see my chest? And they're like, I see the uh, like he was wearing a Nike sweater. Mm-hmm. It's like I see the the Nike symbol, and he's like, 
you nitwit, back up. <laughs> <laughs> and then they started like moving back with the camera. He's like, no, it's zoom. Like the, it's like use the zoom. And like he like he had to like go and show him how to use the zoom. That's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> um, Is this why he used to um, <laughs> prank call Russell Crowe? Like he just he has a sense of humor, yeah. I guess. I never, but you never got to see that because he was always dancing and singing. <laughs> yeah, he was like always on tour, always yeah. recording music. So yeah, you didn't really get to see a lot of that from him. But what does Instagram those are... have been lit? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but those are like those are video clips I had never seen before. I might have to look into that then. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how this, how this comes out. I mean, uh, I don't know what's going to, what can be made of the documentary about the last, his last photo shoots. Yeah. That's weird. I mean, maybe it was, it was for the, the, this is it tour, mm-hmm. but how it's exclusive just, could that be? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe cause it's his last, I don't know that, but that just to me kind of sounds like somebody who, um, is trying to protect some sort of exclusive deals or something yeah, and exploit, you know, that money, get that money. Like they're still like in death. Michael Jackson is still making money for some off of other artists. Like it's not even his music. If it's, I mean, it's, it's still selling, I believe, but even the money he would make off of other artists through the deal he made with Sony. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know if I feel like there's like plenty to go around, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I don't know how much more can you exploit him even in death? It's, I don't know. It's uh we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, I guess after uh, we'll probably forget about this documentary in a week. Let's get to, <laughs> I would say once we get to thrillers 50th anniversary, we'll find out just how much people can exploit Michael Jackson. Hmm. When we get to 50 years. So we're at, we're at 35. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised. They might, they might go premature and go for 40. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. But I, I, when, what else is there to do with that? I mean, we've heard the demos. We've heard the demos. We've heard the remixes that people there, did. Yeah. Um, Someone will find a way you'll have like the, um, whatever the medium is at the time, it'll be re-released in that medium. Um, you will probably have maybe some photos like, oh yeah, check out Michael while he was in the studio recording it or, um, I, or even maybe like you get more artists who are like more artists that are at, that are current and have them do more remixes and covers. <laughs> like I could totally see that happening. Yeah. Max Martin remixes <laughs> thriller. <laughs> well, Hey, you joke, but what's his name? Didn't Polo to Don do that remix of dancing machine? Yeah. Yeah. And Afrojack did a, well, it was off of Bad, but he did a remix of Bad. Yeah. I could. With Pitbull. Hey, you know, like Max Martin presents Thriller. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, I, well, I figured what else, you know, like I guess, <laughs> Michael can't stop me by then. Maybe Quincy Jones is dead. He can't stop me. <laughs> Vincent Price could never stop me. <laughs> like, yeah. And um, I could, I could totally hear that. I could, yeah. Right, we'll see what happens with uh, with the documentary and with Thriller. I feel like that's going to happen. He made Thriller. <laughs> thriller. <laughs> so uh, we'll get to the charts here. So um, the number one song is 
Perfect by the most influential artist in black music, featuring the real most influential <laughs> artist in black music. Uh, number two is Havana by Camila Cabello, featuring Young Thug. Number three, Rockstar by Post Malone, featuring 21 Savage. Number four, Thunder by The Retired, but probably going to be unretired <laughs> by next year. 2K Legends, Imagine Dragons. Number five, No Limit by Gerald Easy. Featuring. <laughs> forgot we did. That. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we did. Okay. Okay. Gerald Easy featuring uh, Aesop Rocky and love and hip hop legend Cardi B. Number six, Bad at Love by Halsey. And. I don't know, where's the other one? Which one are you looking for? Um. Oh, I thought I took a screenshot of it. What's number seven? Oh, number seven, Too Good at Goodbyes by Sam Smith. Okay. Uh, number eight, Motorsport, Migos, Nicki Minaj, and loving hip-hop legend Cardi B. <laughs> Cardi B. Um, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. <laughs> <laughs> at number nine by Lillard Pumpernickel. <laughs> Sorry. Lil Pump. Um, and then Bodak Yellow, um, parentheses, Money Moves by Cardi B. At number ten, still, still hanging on. Okay. Is she the second artist to have uh, her first three songs in the top ten at one time? I do not know, but that that'd be an easy because okay, so she's in the with Gerald Easy and Migos, so maybe. I think she's the second artist to to pull that off. Yeah. Um, Kimmy Cabello didn't I know she was actually from Cuba? Did I know that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that one of those uh, those countries? But I digress. But we <laughs> it, digress. It, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> it might be one of those countries. Uh, okay, so we have the uh, the top one hundred, uh, two hundred, the Billboard two hundred. Uh, yeah. We'll give you the top ten albums. Number one is the Greatest Showman soundtrack, uh, featuring the Golden Globe winning "This Is Me." Probably why it is the number one. Yeah. Number two, uh, Divide by the Most Influential Artist in Black Music. Number three, Reputation by the Fake News of Pop Music. Number four, The Beautiful and Damned by Gerald Easy. Isn't that a play or like a movie or a book or something? Beautiful. I think it was a book. I, I remember it from Gossip Girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> Number five, uh, Damn by Kendrick Lamar. Number six, Revival by Eminem. Um, pull up the... Number seven. Number seven, Evolve by the retired and probably unretired 2K Legends. Number eight, Stoney by Post Malone. Number nine, Huncho Jack, Jack Huncho by Huncho Jack, which is uh, Quavo and Travis Scott. Okay, I was like, what is that? I've not heard of that. <laughs> and number 10 is American Teen by Khalid. All right, and we'll get to the artist 200. Um, so this is weird because the number one album artist 100. is by a cast. Is like yeah. so it's like you know you can't have the cast of the greatest showman. <laughs> yeah. Um. The number one uh, artist uh, for this week is still the most influential artist in black music. This is unbelievable. He might be the weirdest looking artist too. <laughs> like he is he like in the new like in the new Taylor Swift video he's wearing glasses but you can clearly see like he is 
He's got something going on with the eyes. You can definitely tell. Yeah. Like, like he was high? No, like he, like one was one way, one was the other. <laughs> like the Sonny Michelle. <laughs> Sorry, the Sonny Michelle, excuse me. But yeah, he, he could, I was like, oh, that's weird. And he, yeah. Number two, uh, the retired and probably unretired 2K legends. Number three, the fake news of pop music. Number four, Kendrick Lamar. Number five, Post Malone. Number six, Eminem. Uh, number seven is uh, uh, Halsey. Number eight, Bruno Mars. Number nine, Sam Smith. And number 10, Demi Lovato. I imagine Kendrick Lamar got some shine for his performance, too, at the... the um national championship game halftime show so props to the people who stayed out there in the cold <laughs> that's not for me that life's not for me yeah um <clears throat> um okay so we got some other stories here uh some interesting uh, things happen as far as record contracts go uh one people are still signing them yeah that, that was a little yeah, weird. Uh, they're, maybe they're making good money, but there was an interesting story this week with uh, Lil Pump uh, to where he had signed a contract with Warner Brothers, uh, received an advance of 345000 but because of the fact that he signed it as a minor, his lawyers found a clause that got him out of that contract. And he was 16. So now he can sign with any label he wants. And he probably doesn't have to give that money back. Yeah. And it makes me wonder why he wants to do it because you mentioned it's a pretty good deal that they're giving him. He got a, a, a sizable advance and the deal that he got with them, I think he said it was like, what, like eight to $12 million. Yeah. Like that's why would you want to walk? Like, I don't know. Like, especially in this day and age where record deals are kind of hard to come by, like from a major label that's going to pay you lucratively. So I don't know why he walk away from Warner brothers. Um, it seems to be that with the, the buzz he has generated, because that's what it's, it's about, uh, generating buzz, not just with your music, but also your social media following mm -hmm. that, um, he could probably get this, uh, the same amount or more from someone else. Maybe. But like I said, they're like we mentioned before, there are only three. Yeah. <laughs> so you leave those, you leave that one, go to the other two, see what they can give you. If you're not signing with them, you're signing with one of the subsidiaries. I mean, it's just, you can't get away. Or maybe he wouldn't have control over his music as he would have wanted yeah. or, you know, some, something to that effect. But, um, definitely interesting that he's able to get out of that contract and someone at Warner brothers, Probably might have probably job. probably got fired. Yeah, because <laughs> some somehow they didn't know he was 16 years old. It's like you did what? You let little pump go where? What is his name? Hold on, what's his real name? Oh, I thought it was Little Pumper. <laughs> no, someone no. posted a meme saying like that's what they thought his name was, Gazzy Garcia. All right. <laughs> It can't. It can't legally be Gazzy. He's like, still that's a, a minor that's too. Who's gonna sign him? Because like, what if he tries to pull this crap again? <laughs> it's like <laughs> I was only seventeen. <laughs> like that's. I don't know. That's weird. I'm trying to think of what he comes out with next outside of Gucci Gang. Like you know, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, another um, another young rapper who was. 
there was some issue with his record contract is XXX Tentacion. Uh, I sometimes called XXX extension cord. That's I, I didn't know if you were supposed to say the X's. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that dude, triple extension. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he has uh, been in some legal trouble uh, lately uh, with being charged with um, witness tampering and I think bribery um, stemming from another incident. So he has been in and out of court, but he still got a record deal. He's got, he was yeah. signed to Capitol records. Uh, there was some staff members who were against the signing, mm-hmm. of course. And, um, it's, it's already gone through. So he's already on the label, uh, probably preparing to release new music soon in case he does end up going to jail. Yeah. What did, so I see a witness tampering is one of the charges. How long will he be in there? I mean, is is this going to be like a Gucci main where like he comes back and he's more popular than he was when he went in? I don't know. Cause that's what I kind of feel like going to happen. Cause this isn't going to be, I can't imagine when this tampering isn't 10 to 20, you know, like he might do five tops, you know, somehow he releases a bunch of mixtapes and then next thing you know, he's coming out and everyone's like free Gucci or free, you know, extension cord. And then when he gets out, he's like, you know, Mike will made it waiting there with a the beat for him, you know, like, <laughs> is that what's going to happen? Cause I, I kind of get that feeling that that's going to happen if he goes to jail, although he's probably not as, as talented as Gucci. Yeah. I said that. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, we'll see what happens with, with that. Um, I, I thought he was already on a label. I always, I always think these guys are on labels, but a lot of times SoundCloud rappers, is, right? they're just on SoundCloud releasing stuff. Um, there's also, I will probably get into, I kind of want to um, have Brandon on to, to talk about it is with, um, there was one, so I can't remember what it was. I don't know if it was Rockstar or, or you're talking about the producers not getting paid. Yeah. The producers are getting mind. paid. Read my mind. Uh, to where, <laughs> The, the producers of the songs, they become hits. They're big on the charts. But it's a mixtape. But they're, it's like, oh, this it was on a mixtape, so we don't have to pay you. Yeah. Or we don't have to pay you as much. We can slash your rate because it's not I think with some, release. like, we don't have to pay yeah, you Yeah, some haven't gotten paid, and then some just were like, they, they tried to pay them, like, they slashed their rate because it's not an official release. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of jacked up. And so... Um, just like Har- the Harvey Weinstein story kind of, you know, turned Hollywood upside down. Maybe this turns the music industry upside down. Yeah. Cause to then, you know, to, um, follow up there, Timbaland posts a um, picture saying no more free beats. Like either we get paid or we don't work. Some people might say and that's with, spoiled, but that's what's work. interesting with that as well is that with, I guess in hip hop, the producer is well, like you said, is the composer. Yeah, the composer. So yeah. he's it's like they're not even being credited as the songwriter as a yeah. songwriter on there either. Yeah. They're just they're making they're basically composing a beat. Like you don't just make a beat, you compose a beat. Like there's music in that. There's a melody typically. And um then someone comes in and raps on it. And it's just like, yeah, you're you're basically doing most of the work. As far as how much engineering experience people like Timbaland have you know, I imagine since he's been in the industry for so long, he knows how he knows, like, if he's recording an instrument, how to properly mic it, I would imagine. 
and he probably knows what's a good mic to use and how to mix vocals and stuff like that. But yeah, like that's got to be annoying, like to hear a song on the radio that you made and you ain't got paid for it yet. Yeah. I'd be livid. And not even like, like I know there's so there'd be like, uh, not paid as producers, but if you're not getting royalties either, yeah, that's gotta be real maddening. <laughs> like I would, I, I'm, I'm taking whoever to court or something. <laughs> Take it like, to trial. You, you going to pay me all of my money. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's gotta be, man. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, that will do it for our music news. If we do get him on here as well, and I'm pretty sure he's listening. What's up? <laughs> um, I would love to get him to talk about 24 karat magic because he mm. was going on about 24 karat magic about how like it's um, how it's a great record and how like most people don't, you know, it's not necessarily misunderstood, but it's underappreciated by a certain a lot of music fans or whatever for what it really is. I think he posted, I don't know if he tweeted or he posted a tweet to where Chris like Bruno Mars made a nine song album and he's still releasing singles. Your favorite crackhead. Your favorite crackhead has- <laughs> A 45 album track quality over quantity. Yes. <laughs> I have yet to listen to anything on the crackheads album. <laughs> I ain't listen. The crackhead, of course, being Chris Brown. He is. I don't know if he's a crackhead, but something's wrong with him. Like he, <laughs> you don't do everything he did in that documentary and you're normal. Yeah. You, you just don't. You just don't. And, or sober. Or sober. <laughs> I'm <high. laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, before we get to your earworm of the week, um, I haven't made this commercial yet. Um, Avriel, I'm sorry, but I know it, it, it's going to happen. Um, the music news um, has been brought to you by oh. uh, Um It is a site to where you can uh, their products for you know, for, well, for the men, if you have beards, you want to, you know, keep it, you know, fresh and, and feeling tingly all day. Um, and if for the ladies, there are different hair care products that can be used using all natural ingredients, Calicado, of course, there's avocado involved. Um, but, uh, I've seen Avriel make these products and, um, I, uh, well, I, I'm a I'm a loyal customer. She has told me so. <laughs> so uh, brought to you by Calicado dot com. C a l i c a u d o dot com. Uh, you can also follow her on Instagram at you love Calicado to see her uh, products and services. And um, yeah, I said I would I would uh, I would shout her out and try to drive some business her way. Word up. All right, so um, Ben. Why don't you tell us about your earworm of the week? So, um, I didn't say this at the time, but I'm going to say it now because I'm, I'm not ashamed anymore. The, when we did our Because 5 on Stevie Wonder, that was the first time I'd heard Love, Light, and Flight. Hmm. First time. Didn't want to say it because I was ashamed. Shouldn't be ashamed. Why am I ashamed? It's a good song. Um, so From since, the Lady in Red, Red yes. soundtrack. <laughs> so since then, I've become obsessed with the song. Love the song. And um, found a cover of it by an artist named Kim Pencil. Um, and it's kind of like a, I don't want to say a smooth jazz cover of it, but it's kind of like a funk jazz cover, if you will. It has smooth jazz elements. It is an instrumental. And that's why I call it smooth jazz, because, you know, it's kind of like those those like saxophone players that you see. They'll like cover everything. I think you said your mom used to have all the hidden beach 
<laughs> cover my, records? My, my, my dad does. Oh, your dad? Okay, yeah. The, the Hidden Beach cover albums. It's kind of like that, but you can tell it's, it's older. All the instruments are live. And um, it's I, I think it's pretty cool. It's got a much different rhythm. Oh, yeah. He's got some covers on here. He's got a cover of uh, Doobie Brothers. Yeah. Um, Al Jarreau. Steely Dan. Yeah. He, um, I don't know if he plays all the instruments, but I told Greg, I think he does. He just looks like he play, like he plays everything. <laughs> um, really good musician, but yeah, he just, he gives it sort of like a more, f- a straightforward beat on the drums. And then like the bass is very syncopated. I mean, you'd have to hear it. It's, it's a very interesting take on it, but he makes it work. All right. So we'll play that for you right now. Cover of Stevie Wonder's Love, Light, and Flight by Kim Pencil, and we'll be right back. That is Love, Light, and Flight by Kim Pencil from his album Under the Influence. Pretty sure there's some other pretty nice, yeah, smooth jazz-esque covers on there. Yeah, I've, I found myself, um, since I, I bought a drum set, so a Christmas gift to myself was I bought myself a electronic drum set, and I turned this on and tried to play along, tried to, play along to it, so it's kind of fun, but it's got a nice, like, just... Steady beat, some easy rolls to try to hit. It's, it's a lot of fun. All right. Uh, you can check that out. That's sung out on our BTTYC Airworms playlist right now. And um, 
I don't know if you if you looked up Ken Pencil at all. I I I did not, but I, he looks like he's a guy that may be featured uh, in the that could have been featured in the documentary that we're be discussing. He yeah, you know what? Yeah, I could see that. Probably playing several instruments. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for our uh, primary topic tonight, we'll be discussing the documentary Hired Gun which is on Netflix as we speak. <laughs> I don't just feel like I had to do okay. <laughs> So Hired Gun is a, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Hired Gun is a documentary about, um, about session musicians. Uh, session musicians are guys that come in uh, and they, they play the song as written uh, for the album. And sometimes they go out and play the song as written <laughs> on tour. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what said, uh, why I was thinking, you know, some people have to decide if they want to be the best. Yeah. Or if they want people to know their name. Yeah. And, um, in some cases, some, some, some people break through yeah. it, but it's very difficult. Yeah. There's not many. Um, and for a lot of them, the best you can really hope is to get steady work. Yeah. All the time. And even that's difficult. That yeah. that's shown to be difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we'll be talking about the, the documentary here. Um, and we both made a lot of notes. Um, uh, one thing like from what they were saying at the, be at the beginning, um, there are some, some things that, it kind of separates them. It's kind of like being a backup quarterback. Yeah. I could that. Yeah. I could see that yeah. uh, to where you always have to be ready yeah. to replace someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, one guy said, I think it might've been Phil X. He said, uh, my job security was my awesomeness. <laughs> yes. He did so. say that. And Phil X is interesting because yeah. he's actually, so he's one of those type of people who he does his own thing, but then he's also good enough and has enough. And I think he has style. So kind of going back to what Alice Cooper said, you got to find someone that's good and they look good on stage. Yeah. And I think there are guitar players better than Phil X, but he's just good enough and he has just enough swagger to where you'd be like, I'll, I'll take him. Like he has a few shortcomings, but I'll take him. And he's not, not, he's no slouch, you know, by any means. But, like, is he better than Jason Hook? No, Jason Hook has him as a player. But, you know, Phil X, he just looks like he has more fun. <laughs> and he can sing, so that helps him as well. I don't think Jason Hook sings. Um, I, and that was another um, uh, another thing. I think it was probably Phil X who had said that to where if you can play, that's good. Mm -hmm. If you can sing... Um, and I took that as, you know, the more versatile you are, yeah. uh, the, the steadier your work could be. Yeah. Uh, so being versatile is, is important. Uh, you have to get the songs down, um, probably faster than, um, anyone yeah. really. Um, uh, and I don't know if it was him, but someone did say you have to be more focused than the guys who wrote the song. Yeah. And so one of the people that they did feature on there who they didn't go to very much is John five. Mm -hmm. um, John five is really good. He's probably the best guitar player. A lot of people have never heard of, and he fits that mold 
perfectly. He's the one who said, I didn't want to be a star. I always wanted to be a session musician. And I think it's because he has mastered so many different styles of music. So like, and that's something you yeah. like rarely hear yeah. to work to with the musician. You know, if you ask any musician, they're thinking, I have know, a style. I, I, I have a style, but I also want to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I want people to know who I am. And it's funny. Cause if you look up a picture of him, he looks like he could be a star. Yeah. So I didn't, before I really dove into this, I didn't know a lot of these session musicians weren't really stars. And I thought John five for the longest was a star. Cause I'm a musician. I've been a musician for a long time. I've seen John five's guitars. I played one once. It's really freaking heavy. <laughs> and, um, so to me, John five was a star. I'm like I'm in guitar center, you know, you see the poster of him with his <laughs> custom guitar. And I'm like, John five's a star. But if you really think about it, like no one knows who John five is. You might mistake him for Marilyn Manson. I mean, like you mm. don't really know, but like he, li- looking here at his, cause I've heard him play these genres, heavy metal, alt metal, industrial rock, industrial metal, bluegrass, country, and flamenco. And he's, a, he's a really good, I've heard him play country music before. And it's not like he's like a really good metal guitar player and an okay country. Like he's equally good in all genres. And I think that's what you really have to do to be at the top as far as, you know, playing this. Like he played with Matt Ball, Avril Lavigne, Rob Halford, Katie Lang. <laughs> yeah. Meatloaf, Scorpions, Ozzy, Slash, Fifi Dobson, Leonard Skinner. So, like, the different subgenres of rock music, and there are a lot of subtle changes. Like, no one, you don't play guitar the same. You don't yeah. have the same percussion all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, that it just lends to, you know, the more versatile tool you are. That's why you, you would, if you think John 5 is a star, is because you, you hear him all the time. Yeah. You can hear him <laughs> at any time. Or yeah. Any, any of, uh, a, a wide variety of genres. Yeah. Um, so if work was stay is steady for him, it's because, well, one, it's what he wants to do. Yeah. And he, he doesn't and, care about being a star, but he just wants to, he wants to play on your song. Yeah. <laughs> and so did it. you get that impression? Cause I got the impression from this documentary. Um, everyone is trying to be a star. So like they except want it for to be, him, except for him. Yeah. But they all went into this like, well, I wanted to be a star, but I wasn't good enough. So I started doing like this is their backup yeah, plan. <laughs> it was um, I, th- I was it Jason Hook. who said like the A dream is to yeah. is to have, you know, my band with four or five guys mm-hmm. and we have all these great songs. And the B dream is, well, I'm going to look out for myself. Yeah. So I'm going to do this session work. Yeah. So, yeah, it did seem like it was a backup plan for a lot of people. But for some, you know, they said, like, it, it's hard to break through. But some of these people did break through. Yeah. Um, Jason, Jason Newstead, uh, who, if you know that name, basis for Metallica. Yeah. Um, he came in and he was just going to be a guy. Yeah. Uh, a hired gun. He was basically <laughs> there to replace the dude that just died. Just to finish the tour. Yeah. And then he became part of the band. Yeah. Um, I know we didn't when on our, uh, replacing a band member episode, we didn't talk a lot about replacing someone who died. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it does, it, it does happen. Yeah. Um, but like some, and I think there was another guy, um, I don't know if I, 
put in his name. Billy Brad Gillis. Brad Gillis, yeah, from Night Ranger. <laughs> from Night Ranger came into fill in for Randy Rhodes, um, with uh touring with Ozzy Osbourne. And those are you know, it's it's always interesting to come in in a particular situation. Yeah. To where not necessarily, you know, someone got kicked out. I mean, it, it wasn't they did I don't think that was explored too much or if at all in this documentary. Yeah, I don't think it did. But happen, these two instances no. where the band member died and they were so beloved by the fans mm-hmm. and now you're coming in. Yeah. Um and that's was, a difficult experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, you may have all the all the chops in the world. Yeah. But well, I mean, if you listen to the way Jason tells it, it was like replacing. He was like, it was like replacing the Jimi Hendrix in your genre. Yeah. Like on your instrument, you know, like he comes in to replace Cliff, who I did not know until maybe 10 years ago or so how good he really was. Apparently, a lot of the things I thought the guitar was doing, Cliff was doing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Randy Rhodes. And one thing I did not think about that I think um, Brad Gillis mentioned Randy's style was very new at the time. Like not a lot of like you can, you know, you can find 10 guys who can play like Randy Rhodes. Now, back then you could not find there was maybe a, a dozen guys on the earth that could play like that. And you just you you had to go find one. <laughs> yeah. You know, and one of them was already in a band called Van Halen. So you weren't yeah. you, you weren't getting, <laughs> you weren't getting, him. getting Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> you weren't getting him. So you had to go try to find, you know. Yeah, you had some guys on the Sunset Strip that could, you know, try to play like that. But, like, to get that, like, that's, I cannot imagine. And he said he tried to learn the solos. Like, whew, good luck, man. Those are really <laughs> And he, he, tr- he had to, to like, try to learn them in four days. Yeah, like, that's really <laughs> tough stuff to learn, you know. And you really have to put yourself back then. Like, this is the 80s. You're playing. And, like, think of the stature. You're playing with the former lead singer of Black Sabbath. At that point, probably considered the you know the fathers of heavy metal. You're playing with Ozzy Osbourne, who's a star, and his guitar player, who is beloved, has died. Good luck, like n- yeah. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> we need you to replace him. Yeah, no big deal. You know, like that's <laughs> that's so like you know balls of steel, like to to do yeah. that. Yeah, uh, it was a tough. Uh, you know, so, so sometimes there will be those situations. You have to step into this kind of situation, you know, if you want to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, one thing I, I did write down is you have to be on all the time. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's tough. Yeah. Because like you have to be ready at any time to where if you're not working, you could get work at yeah. any time and you have to be ready and you have to be ready to step in. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, well, I guess I, I thought this, I wrote this down, but then I think it just, it just related to um, Billy Joel's band. <laughs> uh, it's primarily who, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They happen to know the guy that knew the guy <laughs> yeah. that knew the guy. <laughs> it's like, Hey, I, uh, I need a, I need a drummer. Do you know anyone? Oh yeah. I know someone. Yeah. Uh, hey, we also need a bassist. Do you know some? Yeah, yeah I, I know, know somebody. Someone. Yeah, and they and the next thing you know, you got Billy <laughs> like, Joel's backup band. You know, what? Uh, I think you know this. This could uh, well actually the guitar player came in last. Yeah, because it's like uh, you know what? I think the song needs some guitar. Yeah, we know a guitar we know player. a guy. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, it it, kind, it can kind of be who you know mm-hmm. if you network if you if you work with some people, um, you know. You 
you it could turn out to be a good recommendation yeah. for you. I thought it was interesting to see the dynamic of how cuz you had like, you know, you had the Billy Joel story which what he started in the late 70s. Then you had, you know, all the hair metal bands um late 70s, early 80s, the mid 80s. And then, you know, the most recent you had really was probably the people who still play with Alice Cooper. And then, you know, Jason Hook, who played with Mandy Moore and then played with um, play with Alice Cooper. And then I can't remember the guy who played with Pink and just seeing the differences in how things were done. Um, uh, Kevin Aaron. No, wait, no, that was that was, it was a Kevin Aronoff. There's another guitar player that played yeah. with Pink, though. So seeing, you know, like seeing how it's done, it was very different. You know, like back then yeah, it was like, you know, somebody that knows somebody. Alice Cooper, of course, has his methods. Like, I can just tell when I see someone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that yeah. shortly. Um, um, so yeah. one thing that got me, and this is because for the longest time, I wanted to be a session musician. Um, I still remember going to North Point Mall to see Avril Lavigne play. Yeah, I did that. And um, I there were rumors going around that Evan Tabenfield, or Tabenfield, I think that's how you say it, her guitar player, was going to be leaving the band and she was going to be, she was auditioning new guitar players. I was like, I want to audition. Granted, I was not good enough back then. I wasn't. Um, Ryan Barber did want to audition and he would have been good enough to do it. I don't know why he never went through with that. I think he would have been a great session player. Um, But um, I wanted to be a session musician. And I remember thinking like, that's the life, man. Like you just go from city to city, gig to gig, playing, blah, 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 blah. And then watching this and like, this is depressing. Yeah. Like the, when he was like, oh, so-and-so has decided to go in a different direction. We won't need the band anymore. Thanks for your time. <laughs> that was Jason Hook. Yeah. Like that's it. I, it seemed like that happened to him twice. He had just bought a house. <laughs> that happened to him twice. I was like, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Like that would be awful. I mean, it's like, there's no severance. <laughs> there's no benefit. And they don't get paid a lot of money. No. You know, they're not like, you know, like the, the, the drummer who's a full time member of Three Doors Down, mind you. At least that's what Wikipedia tells me. Yeah. Um, I think it's Greg Upchurch or something like that. Um, was the drummer for Three Doors Down painting houses <laughs> on his downtime? And he ended up painting someone's, someone's house to wear. From Guns N' Roses. Yeah. yeah. He's like, hey, haven't I seen you before? Have I seen you before? Yeah, we uh, met on tour in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what do you do? like? Yeah, I'm, now painting, I'm painting your, your house. Your house. Yeah, <laughs> like that's got to be that's one of those like, all right, let me go back in and uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, they they were being paid, you know, a few hundred dollars a week, um, on and that's and that's all they would get. Like, we weren't even they we didn't even get to, like, okay, well, like someone with Jason Newstead. He was able to he he, he finished the tour mm-hmm. and then he still he's in the band now. Yeah, they brought him so, on. So they so he's on there to make the next album. And that's not always the the case here, especially yeah. with a lot of these being um you're working with like solo artists that yeah. need a band when they go out on tour. So yeah, you're in the band for but now. Yeah. You're not <clears throat> like you're not an artist. Yeah. In and- a way. And there are some artists out there, and I think, you know, so one of the things, Jason Hook, who was in, who's heavily featured in this thing, was one of the producers. And, I, you know, I figured he yeah. probably just went around and found a lot of his friends. But, like, one thing that I, you know, I, I did hope they would talk about is those artists 
that will keep the same band for consistency. So, for instance, you know, Taylor Swift, the fake news, you know, fake news of pop music, um, probably not anymore, but through the album Red, used the same band. Like, you can go back and look at her first album. That drummer and that bass player are in that video. And you can go album by album. And anytime, you know, you see her performing live or you see a performance style video, they're there. I've um, read that Tim Tim McGraw does that. The Dance Hall Doctors is his backup band. They play in the studio and they tour with him. Um, so there are a few artists that will do that. But then there are also artists who like, you know, every album they get someone different, maybe because they're changing sounds or whatever. Um, or like, you know, they want it whoever, you know, the hottest in in um, demand musicians are right now. And so I was hoping they would talk about that, like how there are some artists nowadays who will keep the same band forever. You know, I know Lenny Kravitz had the same band for a long time. John Mayer did the same thing. Well, you said that um, uh, like three years, working three years for that artist is a Mm -hmm. a long time. Yeah. Uh, Compared to Liberty DeVito, it was a Mm 30-year relationship with Billy Joel. It did not Um, end well. We'll get to it. We'll get to that. (laughs) Um, Rob Zombie said something. Um, I think it's un- it's under it's an underrated part. Like you could be good, uh, but he said that the three things that he looks for is well, of course you have to be a good musician. Mm-hmm. Two, you have to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> and three, you have to be. He's like then I, I like then I have to be around them for for mm-hmm. months and months. So I have to be able to stand them. Yeah. Yeah. And. I feel like that's, um, I don't know if there's enough appreciation for that, that to it's where you important. have to be, you have to be like, if I'm going to be around you and we're going to be traveling together, we're going to be sharing a tour bus. Mm-hmm. We're going to be on stage all these nights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have to, I don't, you don't, especially as a session musician, you don't want to like, you don't want to tick off the, the, the artist. Yeah. The guy paying the bucks, <coughs> paying your salary, so to speak. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You don't want to get him upset. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. So, yeah. Like, and then you also, and they and they said this to where, yeah, there may be a better musician, mm-hmm. but this guy kept us, kept the other guys from killing each other. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I, I bet Phil X is in a lot of bands, probably that guy. Yeah. Hopefully, I would imagine maybe by the end of the tour, you're like, all right, Phil, that's enough. But, like, he kind of seems like he's, like, you know, he can break up tension. And I bet you that's why he gets a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I thought about this, and um, I guess the the what the people who, the it was interesting to be the people who broke through. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, the David Foster. Had no clue that guy was a session musician. I thought he was always a writer, producer. Mm. Did not know. So that was one of the, that was kind of shocking to me. Um, and of course, you say the David Foster because dude sat at a piano in front of, how many did you count? 12? 14. 14 Grammys. 14 Grammys. And I'm pretty sure he was like I, I feel staggered like he has them. more. <laughs> he probably said like, staggered. This is, this, this is, these are the piano Grammys. <laughs> you know, the, uh, I have, I have some office Grammys, Grammys. over here. <laughs> and these are the studio Grammys right here. Like he just like, he made it out like he yeah. made it out and then some <laughs> and it, it was because he had the um did you say he had the foresight 
Yeah. To, um, cause who was he working with? I can't remember, but he was like, I can do this. <laughs> I can be a producer. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember who he was like, who he was playing with, mm-hmm. but yeah, he saw this like, Oh yeah, I can do the, pro- I can be a producer. And at first it didn't work because he saw it as getting the best musicians together. Yeah. But then he saw what went into it as far as sounds and and vocals and and considering basically everything. Yeah. And it started to work out for him. He started writing. He got he started working with Earth, Wind, Fire. Yeah. After the love is gone. Didn't know he wrote that. Yeah. Like that's and that shows a why he's a legend and B. God, that guy's got near. Like he's just (laughs) he's and this is and, you know, to this day, that's why he had 14 Grammy sitting on his piano and his multi-million dollar estate, you know, like, and he, I mean, he, he, like he said, he went from making six figures a year to, you know, his albums flopped. His first produced albums did not do very well, but he got it. He, he yeah. learned and he, he got out the hood as they were. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was interesting that he was the only one we you know that like took that route mm-hmm. as far as like, yeah, let me go into producing and writing. Yeah. Um, and he he basically got out, but I, do you think that some of the other guys maybe just got caught up in in a lifestyle or just being on the stage? Or well, I think, and this is just from my experience. Typically, musicians who are really that good and have dedicated themselves that much to their craft aren't good writers. And that's not a knock against anyone in that documentary as if I, I don't know, maybe they hear this, but like typically really, really, really good guitar players. And this is just speaking from experience are not the best writers because they they focus so much on being good at their instrument and they're so mechanical and they're, you know, and they're so like you saw, like, you know, these players are like they're mechanical, like metronomes. They don't they just don't have good ears like to write melodies. So like Steve Vai you know, probably one of the better guitar players walking the earth right now. Um, but what sets him and someone like a Joe Satriani apart from the other people who can probably play at their level is if they have, they have somewhat of an ear, you know, like they're not, maybe they're not good enough to like write hits that can get on the radio, but like they have, they can get that one song that people can like, you know, kind of latch on to. And they, I've heard them, they can write melodies and things like that. Whereas a lot of players, I can just play fast. That's all. Just put anything in front of me. I can play it. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, when it's like, write me a song, they're like, I don't. And they maybe they over, they're overthinking it. I don't know what it is, but it's very rare that you find an excellent musician. That's also an excellent writer. That's been my experience. And so that's the only thing I can think of. It's just they can't they can't do it. You know, whereas David Foster, piano player, you know, seemed to have a good ear. You know, he, he might be a little different. It's, it's rare that you find it, though. Right. Um, another another person who was um, as a session musician, and I don't know. I, I I guess I was not upset at his appearance, but just kind of I was a little annoyed. Was oh. of course Ray Parker Jr. Oh. <laughs> well, he seemed to be he seemed to be. I knew him more as a writer. I yeah. didn't know he was an actual musician. I would have, I would have never known that. I didn't know he wrote "You Make Me Feel Like Dancing," yeah. Um, but I did know. I thought he was just like a, uh, like a, you know, a pop star. That's what. That's all I thought he was. I didn't know he played instruments. <laughs> well, I knew he's. I knew he was a guitar player. 
Um, and he had his own band called Radio okay. with a Y. Um, <laughs> That's good, Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically, like, told the story of writing Ghostbusters. There is no reference to Huey Lewis in the news. Of course not. <laughs> He's not going to do uh, that. It might. It might be for legal reasons. Even though he did break that agreement recently. Oh, for real. Um, but maybe I guess that was the only reason why he didn't mention this documentary. Yeah. He probably would have gotten sued again. But still, it was. <laughs> it was just kind of lame. Um, so uh, okay. So well, yeah. Let's 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 get to this here. Um, <laughs> well, one let's kind of set this up. Uh, as far as how the artists treat their musicians. Uh, first, yeah. I wanted to go with about Richard Patrick, uh, who you guys may know from Filter. Yeah. I, that was another person I did not know that started out as a session musician. Yeah, I didn't know he played with Nine Inch Nails, did but not. now it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what he does? Yeah. yeah. It, it makes total sense. <laughs> it all it makes, makes sense. total sense. He learned the hard way. Um, and he... <clears throat> The, he was gonna bring that was almost a night. Hey man, I shot was almost a Nine Inch Nails song. Yeah, and he was like, "Nah, thank no thanks. I'll I'll shop it myself." <laughs> but like, it was so like, like wow. If they really said that to him, yeah, that's gonna affect him going forward, whether he's successful or not. Drive pizza. So, <laughs> so for people who haven't seen the documentary yet, Richard Patrick, who ended up forming Filter, before that he was playing with Nine Inch Nails. And and I think you should set up what Nine Inch Nails is, too, just because Nine Inch Nails is almost like the industrial rock version of Steely Dan. Yeah. It's basically either he brings in musicians or he just plays everything himself. Yeah. And then he just gets musicians to tour with, basically. Well, yeah, that, and yeah. he still does that now. To this day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are no actual members of Nine Inch Nails other than Yeah, it's Trent Nine Reznor. Inch Nails is Trent Reznor. Yeah. Like, uh... Five for fighting is John and or um, Al City. It's yeah. just one guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, so Richard Patrick is playing with Nine Inch Nails, and he's getting paid a few hundred dollars a week. And um, he said to Trent Reznor, "Like, okay, you're going to go. You're you got all. You've made all this money. You're going to go." buy a new house and, and put a studio in it and I'm going home to live in my mom's basement <laughs> and he said well you know get off your butt and go make a record yeah so basically he was like well write something yeah do something that basically do what I've done yeah, yeah. he's basically like you know put something together um, but he never it didn't seem like he said and then I'll you know I'll help you with that Rick. no, no not like Trent that. Reznor no no, no. <laughs> Um, like I'm Trent Reznor, like I don't. And they, it was seen as, oh, Richard wants to, he needs to make some extra money. So, uh, was it his? Was it Trent Reznor's like management team or the I record think so. company? Or I can't something. remember who it was, but it's. I just remember listening to it. He's like, well, which one would you do? <laughs> so basically, he was like, they they told him, well, we know you want to make some extra money. So there's this pizzeria that's looking for drivers and you could be a pizza delivery boy. And <laughs> so, like, we're not going to pay you any extra money, um, but we've got, we can get you a second job. Yeah. No. And he was like, 
I I'm getting label interest. I've got this so, song. So he took his song, and yeah, and the rest he is got history. a manager. Yeah. He got a um, he got label interest. He signed with one of them, and Filter is born. Yeah, and he's never looked back except when he's doing the same exact thing because yeah. Filter is <laughs> him and a guitar player, and they just hire people <laughs> to play with him. <laughs> and they had the. Uh, uh, I think his name was Phil Buckman, mm-hmm. who was who was touring with Filter. Yeah, and he's uh, he talked about how at one show where he just said that was funny. This isn't fun anymore. That was so funny when he said that. <laughs> yeah, he's just like I just I just said like I was just I just stood upright and was like, this isn't fun anymore. It's <laughs> like I turned to the drummer <laughs> and looked. And I was just like, oh, that's gotta. That's got to be, a, as someone who's been on stage a lot, that's got to be a horrible feeling. Yeah. Like, you're just playing a show, and, like, you just all of a sudden, like, I'm not I, having I, fun. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Because you can't leave. You're a professional. You're not just going to just drop yeah, he your... Was st- he probably still had to... If he could have left that night, he would have. Yeah. He had to basically had to wait another month. He probably had to finish that leg of the tour. <laughs> yeah. You can't just drop your bass and be like, I'm out. <laughs> can't be, like, in a rock star Oh God! He just, <laughs> just walked off the stage. Yeah, he called up somebody to sing, <coughs> and then was like, "Yeah, I'm gone." He's like, "Off you go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just not. It's not that you know. And so that was interesting um, because then he became the voice of Hardys. <laughs> yeah, and that was really funny. Like I'm sitting there, like I knew that voice sounded familiar. I've eaten your monster burgers. <laughs> All right. Um well, why don't you go ahead and set up the, uh, the 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 Billy Joel thing? Which one? Uh, with well, any part of Billy Joel. Oh, so I remember thinking as I was watching this documentary, two things: um, a Billy Joel is really like really, really, really New York, and b Billy Joel is kind of a d bag. <laughs> um. The reason being, of course, you know, we talked about how um, he basically kind of formed his band because somebody knew somebody that knew somebody. And um, when he was forming this band, um, or when he had just formed this band and they went to the studio, he only wanted to use his band. So the producer didn't want to use a band. He just wanted to bring in some hired guns. And and Billy Joel, like, really fought to use his band. He was just like, no, I want to, these are my guys, I want to bring them in. Um and he seemed to kind of be that way for most of his career, you know, really, yeah. as far as like, I want to use my musicians. This is my band. They toured with him. They played on his albums. Um, and so somewhere along the line, his manager like stole a ton of money from him. And like, yeah. I, I get it. Like it was a lot, tens of millions of dollars. And after that, I think he got new management who got in his head and um, he he didn't trust anyone anymore. Yeah. Um, and his new management was just like, you know, why are you paying these guys? Because I imagine it maybe wasn't an even split, but it was close to an even split, I bet. And they were like, why are you well, paying probably, these guys they, so much? They're probably getting paid as if they are artists. Yeah. As if they are band members. So they were able to live on it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he comes in and his manager's like, why are you paying them this money? It's your name that's on the marquee. Yeah. You know, and... um that's when things kind of got sour where like he started seeing himself not as a part of the band, but, the but band. above. Yeah. The band, my face, I'm above you guys. I can replace it with anyone that I want. 
to where he basically kind of pulled a Beyonce. <laughs> so maybe I guess you could say Beyonce pulled a Billy Joel because basically his guitar player found out he was out of the band by hearing the new Billy Joel song on the radio driving around. Like that's gotta be heartbreaking. Yeah. And then to make it even worse, you found out that one of the people that you, you know, came into the band with, Oh, he's still with the band. You know, Liberty's still <laughs> the drummer that, yeah, that's exactly what Beyonce did. <laughs> Only there was no MTV to put it on. Yeah. You know? So yes. Well, maybe, maybe, but it was, you know, there was, it was, Billy- it, was in, it was, it was in the eight. Well, he found he found out by hearing the song on the radio, not yeah, by seeing, seeing the, the video. video. <laughs> so Beyonce. So f- from now on, Beyonce pulled a Billy Joel. Like yeah. I think it's fair to say that now. Um, and after that, he just became cold to them, and it was really sad. And like they just really like that part of the documentary um, felt like the end of the art of organized noise where they were yeah. really bitter towards outcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then to top it off, like, you know, after they're no longer in the band, one of the band members gets so deep that he kills himself. Like he yeah. commits suicide. And like, I remember the lead up to it. Kendra's like, what happened to the bass player? What do you think? He killed himself. Didn't he? He goes, I was like, we don't know yet. And then, you know, he killed himself. I was like, ah, and, and he was, um, Liberty DeVito, the drummer, was talking about was talking about that and basically like he didn't he knew that the bass player like kind of resented him yeah because he he's like i got in. you in yeah he's like i brought you in yeah what well, but what was Liberty DeVito supposed to do? Walk away from money? Like walk away from a job? I mean, like it's like oh, you fired my friend. I'm gonna leave. I don't know if yeah. anybody would no. do that, really. Because I mean, I imagine that'd be like if you and I played like we were like in Justin Timberlake's touring band, and he fired you, and I'm like, you know what? If you don't want both of us, you can't have any of us. And you know what Justin Timberlake would say? All right, I'll find yeah. another. I'll find someone else. And I'm like, well, you gonna take care of me, Greg? Like, <laughs> I quit for you. <laughs> so like, it's yeah. I mean, you're not gonna leave at the time. Who's you know one of the hottest acts in like in the world? You're not gonna walk away from that. Like, and I don't blame Liberty, Liberty DeVito for not doing it, for not walking away. Yeah, I I don't blame him for staying. Yeah. Um Because. Well, even though like there are some people who said like how good he was, mm-hmm. I don't know how in demand he actually was. He wasn't as good as um, Kenny Artnoff, the bald guy. That guy was good. Liberty DeVito was it. it it's probably one of those things where it's like you know, there's other drummers, but we're we're cool. I like you. I'm comfortable. You get me. I get you. I think that's what it was. Um, because hell, even the guys in the, um, in the incredible bongo band were better. <laughs> so, I mean, there's people he could have gotten that were better, but it was probably just like a, uh, a comfort thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then at the end for Liberty DeVito, like even he got the ax. Yeah. But it, it yeah. was something like simple. Um, where he said he got divorced and he he left everything to his wife. Yeah, he just asked, "Can I have some scraps?" Like, if you have any scraps, you know, because you. Yeah. And but that sounded like, "Hey, I need some extra money." Yeah, um, what and you they got? Cut to that interview of him, like everyone's coming, and he's in sunglasses. This is they they really I they really made Billy Joel. They came, they came look to Billy like, Joel. 
They look can't like Joel in this one. <laughs> he has his sunglasses on. He's like, uh, you know, everyone's, you know, this is just like looking he's this, for more, you know. This moody, paranoid yeah. rock star. Like they're just looking for more, you know, and just it's never enough. You know, I'm Billy Joel, you know. I'm Billy Joel. <laughs> and he said there's an Easter Sunday and they did a show. <laughs> this made me laugh on actually. a private like there's a private plane and uh it's like he tries to get like Liberty DeVito tries to get on the plane. He's like someone tells him, Oh, there's no room for you. He's like I I know how many seats are on the plane and how many people are on the plane. It was like, no, no, there, there's no room for you. Billy might want to lie down. That made me laugh so hard. I was like, wow. I was like, next, I was like, next scene is going to be, and then he killed my cat. <laughs> Billy Joel came and stabbed my cat to death. Just like, you know, singing piano, man. <laughs> so, Billy, I will say though, on a on a on a more on a more on a lighter note, Billy Joel did have a hard life as far as as a musician. His manager stole everything from him. At the time that he was the piano man, his lawyers trying to get him out of a bad contract. So, at that point, I imagine like he was like, "All right, y'all ain't gonna get me again." <laughs> He's like, "It's not gonna happen again. I'm just I'm not gonna, you know, we got we 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 cutting people off, man. We cutting folks off." So I. I I imagine like any time it seemed like somebody wanted more than they deserved, he probably was like, "You gotta go, man. You gotta go. You gotta go." <laughs> oh, you asked for money? Um, yeah, I'm on my third wife, bro. <laughs> no, he won't even say. He won't even say that you're out. He'll just. It was like, okay, the tour is over, <laughs> and then a couple months later, okay, I'm going. He's going back in the studio. And did you just hear that song? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like that other dude. It's like, I'm trying to get that chick from the Uptown Girl video, dog. Like, you, you, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to do here? Like, they, uh, one of them said, like, they don't, they don't fire you. Yeah. You just don't get to do the next yeah. thing. And I will say, um, didn't like his work after he fired that band. <laughs> I didn't really like his 90s stuff. I didn't like his 80s stuff, you know, other than like for the longest time, which didn't feature any musicians, you know. It's just him. Um, so, yeah, that's my two cents on Billy Joel. But, yeah, that was that was disheartening. <laughs> yeah, they um, they really made Billy Joel just just look like this terrible person. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think if they probably could have found more people that played with um, Trent Reznor, they might have done the same to him. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, and that's kind of when the documentary took that turn to where – they're like, all right, now let's talk about the evils of the industry. And you might kill yourself or you might be asked to deliver pizzas or, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, or Steve Lukather's like, you know, I'm on like, you know, 30 songs in the Hot 100 and nobody knows who I am. You were in Toto. Shut up. Yeah. People knew who you were. You helped sing Rosanna. People know who you are. Stop it. Like he's the, you know, he, he's the last person I, you know, would expect to complain about that. Now. On the total opposite of the spectrum mm-hmm. of Billy Joel you, is Alice Cooper. You have Jesus Christ himself, <laughs> Alice Cooper, who just, Alice is so good to us and he lets us be us. And, you know, and he's like, I always like to let my he, musicians. He, he, he didn't make us sleep outside. <laughs> Alice Cooper would have never asked me to deliver pizzas. <laughs> and it's just like, and I mean, I have heard that Alice Cooper is a cool guy. But it was just like, you would have thought like Alice Cooper, 
like, you know, hire them for a tour, deliver their kid, save them from a drug binge. Like, he just was like, you know, I didn't have a place to sleep. And Alice Cooper took me under his wing and was like, you know, hey, buddy, you'll never have to pay for a thing again. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I know he's, he's and like not I, everything, you know. You know how I've talked about before the uh, the, the DJ happenstance story mm-hmm. to where a song ends up getting played on the radio because some DJ just happens Happened to, to find it. Yeah. I feel like with Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper just happens to go to shows, happens to go to a Hillary Duff concert. Yeah. It sees Jason Hook. Oh, who's that guy? And tell someone, Hey, write his name. Who's down. that dude with the tats and the black Sabbath shirt? <laughs> Let's hire him. Write his name down. Did he play with black Sabbath? Is that why he's wearing the shirt? <laughs> like, yeah. No, I imagine like, because I've gone to shows before and been like, I would love to play with that guy, but I'm not Alice Cooper, so I can't just be like, yeah, no, call him. No, for real, call him. <laughs> I'm Alice Cooper. I'm sure he'll accept. Like, <laughs> It's like Alice Cooper knows all the session musicians' <laughs> names. He knows who all the good ones are. I mean, I can understand that Like, as an artist. Like, you... No. You know what? No. <laughs> I don't think the artists know who the session musicians are. Maybe the producers or managers mm-hmm. know. Uh, as far as as far as that network, but yeah. I don't think Alice Cooper was going to shows like that. I could just to, imagine like that'd be so hilarious. Like if you're just some big rock star and you just like go to shows, and, like you become known as that person that like poaches musicians. Like and someone sees you, like no, he can't come in. Don't let him in. We're playing a bad show tonight. He's not stealing any of us. <laughs> It's like, dude, Alice Cooper's here again. Oh, man, better play my best, man. He might hire me to play a show. <laughs> Pay for my like college. There's some, there's some TV movie about some session musician looking for his big break. He's playing for one band. And then the and then the what was well, some major art. He finds out a major artist is coming yeah. to the show tonight. It's Alice Cooper. Hey, man, just found out Alice Cooper's going to be at the show tonight. But it's like someone talking to someone else, not that person. But he just like overhears it. It's like Alice Cooper's going to be here. It's like, this is my shot. It's like a voiceover. This is my, my shot. shot. There's college scouts here. <laughs> Alice Cooper's the college scout come to see you throw, play baseball. <laughs> it's like I hear there's an ace pitcher here. I'm here to see. <laughs> he has his nose pad, a radar gun. He's like... <laughs> sloppy there <laughs> oh, 89 miles an hour uh, that's kind of slow for a fastball <laughs> you better nail this solo buddy yeah but they really did like what was eva gardner was one of them who i swore to god was the um i i i was i was so sure that was the bass player from vertical horizon that i met on the rock boat she looks just like her i don't know if it is her but she looked just like her and that girl sounded like um she could not think for herself. Like I was like, you know, Matt, like, oh, um, I saw your show. You guys sounded really good. Oh, that's awesome. You know, Matt's a great guy, and he's really. T- <laughs> she, she said that without being prompted. Just <laughs> yeah, like I was like, okay, that's cool. And I was like, so you guys, you know, coming to Atlanta soon? That's our live. She's like, you know, it's whatever Matt wants. You know, it's like you know, he's we're so fortunate to be able to play with somebody like Matt. And so he doesn't I, make us sleep outside. <laughs> As I'm watching this, I'm thinking back, like, no wonder she sounded like Stockholm Syndrome. You just hope that God, like, I could have been a secret shopper trying to see if she badmouths Matt Scannell. She could have been like, well, you know, I think that solo was a long, ha ha, I knew it. You're off the tour. 
And then, you know, she goes from getting $500 a week in bologna sandwiches to getting nothing in bologna sandwiches. <laughs> bologna sandwiches. Because she really had that, like, I will do whatever Matt says, you know, like, you know, I'm just lucky to be here. You know, last week I was playing in Topeka with, you know, guys in bars. And now I'm, you know, playing with Matt Scannell, you know, he had a song like 15 years ago. <laughs> Everything you want. Playing with it, him is everything I want. <laughs> but it's still on the jukebox at the Waffle House. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I felt bad for him because he played songs. And I'm not imitating her anymore. He played songs that he thought people knew. And they didn't know them. Like It was kind of like when it was like, play You're a God. Play everything you want. Now play them again. <laughs> like he played a song that I eventually started to like called The Man Who Would Be Santa. And he tried to get the crowd to sing along. But no one knew it. I'm like, this isn't your concert. This is like a festival. We just happen to be here. <laughs> and you went up on stage. No, I don't know this song. Play You're a God. Play it again. Play. <laughs> like, I don't know these songs. And he was like, he looked like upset that people didn't know them. And I was like, whatever, man, just play the song. Just- and look, like you said, he had to have, he, he had extra security. Yeah. Cause he thought he was hot, you know, <laughs> and I, I knew everything from the album, everything you want, because I had the album. But like, if you didn't have that album, you were confused the whole time, the whole yeah. time. You just, you're just like, I don't know these songs. You're just waiting to, for him to play the singles. And then you probably left <laughs> and went to the next free show. <laughs> Yeah, so, but that's what I thought about watching this documentary. Like, they they are completely sold out for the musician. And in this case, yeah, they were completely sold out for Alice Cooper. Like, they loved some Alice Cooper. Uh, what else did you get from this documentary? Um, Anything else that was interesting to you? It was, so the stories that they shared, and I know you like stories. Um, so hearing Steve Lukather talk about him and Jeff Graydon writing Turn Your Love Around. Mm-hmm. Um and him playing out the you know the piano part that was really awesome. Um, that that was a funny story because like they had four days to come up with the song. Yeah, and he couldn't do. And he's like, I got nothing. <laughs> he had nothing after two days. He goes to Steve there who who had who you know he played a little something. Yeah, and then you know Jeff Grade went to the bathroom. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was in my mind, I'm like, why didn't he just record? Oh wait, they didn't have smartphones back then. Cause I just got up my smartphone and was like, da, 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 da. oh, I thought I thought he took a pen and paper with him. I don't think he did anything, but he was trying to remember the melody. So he's just yeah. like, don't do anything else, don't play anything else, don't sing anything else. So you can just you can write it out as soon as you get out of here. <laughs> and then he was like, the dude was completely naked, like he was he had to poop <laughs> naked. Um, that's crazy. That was like that's, ugh. but like you know, I don't know if I want to write that way, you know. Um, I'd be mortified if one of my writing partners came out of the bathroom completely naked, but then I'd be happy after we got a hit song out of it. So, um, I also was a little depressed and I, well, not depressed. I was upset that, um, well, two things, um, there weren't a lot of other musicians outside of like mostly rock and metal mentioned. Yeah. Um, and with country music being like the ultimate, we use session musicians, um, you couldn't find one, you know, like Nashville is littered with them. Um, I, I know you, you, you can go to Nashville and find at least a few people who would like to talk. Um, even if you talk to Brad Paisley, who is talented enough to be a session musician, and I'm sure he knows some good session musicians. 
Um, and then, of course, like with jazz, R&B, um, soul music, blues music, not a lot of session players. So, like, you know, um, you you know, and granted, I don't know the well-being or the health of these people, but, you know, the um, the, the Funk Brothers? Am I thinking of the right? From Motown. Yeah, from Motown. Or the Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew. Um, I kind of feel like Booker T and the MGs. That was kind of like, you know, some session people, the MGs being his session band. Like you couldn't find any of these people to talk to them. And I get it. These were probably people that Jason Hook knew and he was just comfortable approaching them and saying, hey, do you want to be in a documentary about being a site, being hired gun? I thought that was so. I mean, I, w- I was hoping we would get that one person I was really missing. And I feel like he could have found this person is Josh Freeze, who is the ultimate session drummer. Like every person listening to this, I guarantee you have heard a Josh Freeze track. He has played on, he has played on just about everything. Me and Chris used to joke that he would just sit in the studio and they couldn't kick, he wouldn't leave. They tried to kick him out, he wouldn't leave. He just demanded that he play on everything. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say he'd just sit in the studio and wait for the next band to come in. <laughs> I really think he would. They're like, um, like he would get done on a Nine Inch Nails record and they're like, we got Devo coming in. All right, I'll play on it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Selena Gomez. I'll play on it. <laughs> I didn't write this down, but I remember, I remember the song. Um, I had heard the song Stranglehold in the movie Rockstar. Yeah, good movie. <laughs> I, I knew that, like, I didn't know who sang that song. Yeah. And I, and I thought it was by Ted Nugent. I'm like, that's not Ted Nugent singing. No, it's not. That's no. somebody else. That is not the same dude who sung Cat Scratch Fever. No. <laughs> not even close. Um. So that was... Yeah, Derek uh, St. James. Yeah. So I found out today that Stranglehold is by Ted Nugent. Yeah. It's credited to Ted Nugent, at least. Mm-hmm. Credited <laughs> to Ted Nugent. Derek St. James sings on it. Derek St. Holmes. St. Holmes. Why did I say St. James? St. Holmes sings on it. And um, and basically, like, any of the performances you see is just, and you know, this is why they call him the Motor City Madman. He's just up there, like, going crazy playing guitar. Um, Really not much to that song, honestly. And I think that's probably why he likes it, because you don't really think when you play that song. Like, it's just built around a bass riff. <laughs> uh, Ted Nugent is credited as a songwriter yeah. for it. But um, he... it. I guess it was just strange that, that he didn't sing he didn't this. Sing, yeah. He didn't sing it. But he's the, he's the guy. Um, and... I don't know. I felt like the Derek St. Holmes should have, should have gotten something out of that, you know? You felt robbed? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I imagine they just refer to Ted Nugent is the band. Yeah. You know, and he's just a part of Ted Nugent, you know, kind of like Marilyn Manson is the band. You know, he's got actual full-time, you know, band members. Some people will come in. I think, honestly, I think it's, I think Marilyn Manson is composed of three people like him, some dude named Twiggy Ramirez, and another guy. And they bring in other people. So I imagine Ted Nugent's band was probably like that. Like you just bring in people, um, which seems to be the way, you know, it's, it's done in a lot of, and that was another thing too, that they talked about, like how, um, he was like, "Yo, you think Ace Frehley played that solo? No, that was someone else. And this kind of goes back to something that, um, Chris and I used to talk about when he was, he wanted to audition for fuel. Fuel was looking for a singer when, you know, Brett Scallions left. 
and he was talking about how like he was hearing he's, he was starting to hear from producers and i think this was maybe around 2005 2006 that there are a lot of these bands that weren't playing anything on the recordings they're just oh, the yeah. face yeah so he was like newfound glory they don't play anything on the record like some you know professional musicians come in lay down the tracks and they just go out and tour and support the record wasn't that the case <clears> with also with um like even with bands that are like still active now, someone like I feel like Fallout Boy would not be surprised. Boy. I don't um, know that, but I wouldn't be surprised because said about Aerosmith. Can't... Yeah, um, but yeah, they 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 didn't go to they they kind of like sort of mentioned that in mm-hmm. the documentary. But yeah, I remember that to where like the band the bands aren't playing. <laughs> the, yeah, the bands aren't aren't recording the songs, mm-hmm. but they have to learn how to play the songs, which is. Well, I mean, you have to learn how to play them good enough um, because in certain genres, they don't care how you sound live. <laughs> they don't they just don't, you know. Um, and so but that was that was interesting to me to hear that because Ace Freely is not a slouch as a guitar player. So why would he need somebody to record his guitar parts? He could record his guitar parts. So that was that was interesting to me to hear that. And so then it just started making me wonder. Who else has done that before? You know, to where they didn't record anything. Someone else did it, and we lay down. We lay down some vocals. You know, kind of like it makes you think of the first Foo Fighters album. I mean, yeah. you could almost well, think of them as hired guns. He did everything. <laughs> well, yeah, with the first album, he did everything. Yeah. Um, and then I think he continued to play drums on everything. Yeah, for, it, for some years after. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but they're, they're, they're in the, well, look, if you're on the cover of the album, you would the yeah. band now. No, and, and, and so like, yeah, at a certain point, yeah, you know, yeah, they were full-time members, but I wonder if, you know, Dave Grohl at the beginning of it was like, I just need some people to play this. Like, what's he going to go? Like he still writes the drum parts. He still writes the drum parts. Yes. Taylor Hawkins does not. He still writes the drum parts. <laughs> and I just have to wonder, like, did he want to go? Cause this was all around the same time. Did he want to be like a Trent Reznor? Yeah, he was like, it's just easier if I do everything, and you guys just come and play with me, and I'll just a revolving door. Or did he find, you know, maybe solace, comfort in in working with the full band, you know? Because um, he was a part of. Because I don't know what Trent Reznor did before Nine Inch Nails, but you know, Dave Grohl was a part of a band, and probably liked the camaraderie of being a part of a band. So maybe that's where he differed. But see, yeah. um, so. Yeah, uh, so- before we end the discussion here, I wanted to look at some reviews, as we'll do with any yeah. film <laughs> that we look at here. So, um, let me pull it, pull it up here as it opens. Uh, on IMDb, it has a 7.2 out of 10. Mm. Um, uh, one person gave it a 9. They said, Everything in this movie appears to be something unknown to the regular music lover like me. Yeah. The hired guns were something I didn't even consider in the music industry. Really good featured musicians, fun stories, really great job. You must see it. Um, another person says, uh, let's see, what did they give it? They gave it a 10. Uh, they said enlightening and heartfelt. It said really enjoyed watching this and learned a lot about the lives these guys had. What struck me in the end was nobody was overly bitter, at least in this film. Uh, (laughs) Like 
Liberty DeVio, better man than me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know if I could handle, uh, I don't know if I could like say like, yeah, Billy Joel, you know, if you want me to play, I'll, I'll, I'm there for you. You're my friend. Yeah. Even though no, you yeah, treated he, me he like crap. totally did do a, he, if he came back and he said jump, I'd say how high. And I was like, no, but yeah, that, that's, that, that takes a big person to be able to do that. And maybe it's one of those things where he's just like, man, like we were together for so long. Like, like, I, I feel like he's you. really my friend. Yeah. And, and he's it's not. just, it's just something, um, it's, it's, it's something that he's working on. It's something wrong with him that he has to work on, but yeah. I still believe he's my friend. I'd have a hard time like yeah. being in that, in that state. Um, he said, uh, what struck me in was nobody was overly bitter or resentful other than the lack of communication when their time was up. He yeah. said, we, we, you're never fired. You just don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he said, uh, they seem to know the precarious edge they chose to live on and what that meant in job security, but happy to have been part of something big and creative. Uh, do, did you get that to where like no one seemed to be bitter? I don't want to say they seem maybe I'm not going to say they were bitter except for kind of about Billy Joel. Like the guitar player seemed a little bitter. Yeah. He did seem a little bitter, but I don't feel, I feel like maybe in the moment they might've been bitter, but years had passed and they were over it. Like I'm pretty sure the first time Jason Hook got that email that we don't need you. Oh, he yeah, he was by email. He was probably bitter. Yeah. Cause then on that second instance, he had bought a house. Because he thought this was going to go for a while. You know, Mandy, after Mandy Moore, he got the Hillary Duff gig. He's like, I want to be an adult. I bought a house. Next thing you know, we're taking Hillary in a different direction. We don't need you no more. I got the mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Um, let's see if we have any others here. Have you seen this one at the bottom? Who's the guy complaining that Steve Vai wasn't in there enough? Well, yeah, it's uh, he gave it a four. <laughs> he said... <laughs> I wanted to watch the docu this documentary after I read that Steve Vai was in the credited cast because I'm a huge fan of his unique style and his work throughout the years. In my opinion, he is the ultimate hired gun ever being used by gunslingers like Frank Zappa, Graham Bonnet, David Lee Roth, and David Coverdale. And guess what? He barely talks in this documentary. I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> I know why Steve Vai probably was in that documentary as much. He was practicing. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> he was practicing, trying to get better. Yep. <laughs> um, the same reason he didn't have another hired gun, Ongwe Momstein. Yeah. Because he was probably practicing too <laughs> and unleashing a fury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's why um, that that's why you didn't see them as much. And, uh, Apparently, Josh Hook, you just had a bunch of time to put this yeah. whole thing together. Yeah, I think this was a labor of love for him. And that's why I think it was kind of like what Adam Sandler's doing right now with his movies on Netflix. Let's just get a bunch of me and my friends and make a movie. <laughs> well, that, that, those are, yeah, let's hang out. I'm going to, I want to hang out with my friends and we're going to go on vacation somewhere. Yeah, let's go to Hawaii. Let's and, go to Mexico. Yeah. Let's go um, to the Hamptons or whatever. Yeah. And they made and they got to do some performances like he got to play with some really good musicians because um, another highlight of the film for me were the breaks in performance breaks. Yeah. Like they had Derek St. Holmes play a song that, you know, without Ted Nugent, 
there. Yeah, they did stranglehold. Yeah, because yeah. you know Ted Nugent's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, he was. Well, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know the end, and just the musical breaks were really, really good. You know, so. Um. So yeah, uh, what would you give this this documentary out of ten? Oh, I loved it. I'd, I'd say like an eight or a nine. And the only thing keeping me from giving it a ten is the lack of diversity in genre. And I'm yeah. really just going to put that on the fact that I really think he just got his. He just went to people he knew. Yeah. Um that was is probably easier that way. Yeah. Had it been a country artist, they probably it probably would have been heavily country. You know, had it been a jazz artist, it might have been heavily jazz. I really think he just went to the people that he knew. And he's, you know, he's he's a metal player. And and to be fair, a lot of session players are metal players because metal musicians across the board take their art their craft very seriously. And so a lot of them do have an easier time getting into other genres because um, there's like a level of, of dedication, respect and integrity that comes with playing metal that you don't find in other, um, in other genres to where like, you know, like you get called out if you're not technically proficient at your instrument, you get called out at on it. So it makes sense that a lot of them would be mechanical and able to like play whatever it is you put in front of them. So, and I think that's why it was so heavily, surrounding metal you know yeah all right uh i would give i would give it a seven for the same reasons um not a lot of diversity in genres but also um i mean i guess there are a few people to focus on mm-hmm. um but i think what would take it a, a point lower from from your score is the how Billy Joel was portrayed <laughs> demonized and how Alice Cooper is portrayed. <laughs> I'm not saying they should flip flop or anything, but it seemed like you said, like Billy Joel is the, is the, this demon. Yeah. And Alice Cooper is. Yeah. It's like before Billy yeah. got famous, you know, we were cool. He was like, I, my band, we're like a tough New York gang. And he's like walking through like the, I didn't know he was from the Bronx. He was born in the Joel? Bronx, but he moved yeah. to Long Island. But like he is, he's so New York. He's he's more New York than most rappers. Like he is very, and like that just convinced me even more. Like this guy just lives and bleeds New York. Um, but then somehow, you know, he went from being like you know, you know, a downtown guy to an uptown guy. Like I could imagine them saying that like <laughs> he wanted that uptown girl because he wanted to be. You know, you're not from the Bronx, you're from the Upper West Side, you're from the Upper East Side. Like you watch Gossip Girl. Yeah, man. <laughs> you you live in a penthouse suite on Park Avenue, man. You ain't you ain't from the Bronx. Like <laughs> you ain't from the hood. <laughs> you ain't you ain't one of us. Like <laughs> I don't know. It's like you know, like it, it'd be like um, Eight Mile. Like and his name's Clarence, and he's got two of his parents, and <laughs> he went to Cranbrook. That's a private school. <laughs> So like that's that's what they kind of made it seem like he used to be one of us and then he changed, and like I think the ultimate one was just when he's in the sunglasses you can't see his face you can't see his eyes everybody's coming for money you know like just they all want something just like wow like you chose the worst <laughs> the worst one you could find and almost worked <laughs> almost worked on me yeah oh man um. Well, that well, that will do it for our discussion about Hired Gun uh, documentary. You can watch it on Netflix. 
Um, if you want to, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to, um, go back and, and watch it and then listen to the podcast again, you know, we'd appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or if you, you know, just want to comment on it and let us know what you thought of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we would also appreciate that. <clears throat> oh, I think in my mind, who Josh Freeze was. I should answer that. Oh yeah. Josh Freeze. Um, so, uh, we'll get to my earworm of the week. Um, excuse me. Uh, so, uh, I guess what came up in the last few weeks was a lot of people posting a video um, with this song called Bank Account. I've never, I've not heard this. Um, where a guy, he's like playing the, um, he's playing the keyboard and mm-hmm. lyrics go like, I'm too scared to check my bank account. <laughs> I don't want to check oh, my God. bank account. Um, uh, that guy's name is Lewis Cole, and I, um, he's in a band called Knower. I think it's pronounced Knower, and I don't know if it's considered like speed techno funk or whatever, but um, I like, um, I, I like, I like one of their songs. They did a um, a live band version of the song, and I want to play that one. Okay. Um, I thought it was on here. Um, let me give me a second while I look it up. But they have a band called Knower, and um, hmm, I thought they had the live band version. They might have taken it down. The video is on. They do have the video of their live band session on on Facebook. But I'll play their album version. Uh, from the album called Life. It came out in 2016. And it's a song called Overtime. Okay. And um, we're going to play that. And uh, while I get that queued up, just a second. All right. And we will be right back.
Overtime by Knower. You can find that on our BTTYHD Airworms playlist. And I think they'll be playing at aisle five next month. So I'm going to try to see some shows. I saw that you said Not A Surf was playing at Terminal Terminal, Terminal West. West. Yeah. Um, Little Dragon is going to be there too in March. I did see that. Little Dragon's coming. Paris is going to be playing at the Buckhead Theater. Um, there's a lot of shows. Cat Williams is coming. I told Kendra. She was like, and we care because. <laughs> I was like, I, can't, I, would, wow. I would go see Cat Williams. But I don't know if she'd come with me. <laughs> Did, was she disappointed after he got choked out by that seventh grader? I don't. I don't even know if she remembers that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of. I like Spotify for that man. They're showing me all the people that I listen to, artists that are coming. So I was like, this year I'm gonna try to go to more shows because I know there's like one show I really want to go to with like four bands I want to see. So gotta make that happen. Go to live shows, people. Yes. So, yeah. It's a good experience. All right, well, that will bring us to the end of the program. Uh, ben, tell the people where we can be found. I don't want to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. So um, I guess the most obvious one, if you're watching this right now, um, you found us at Facebook. That's uh, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, and like I said, if you're watching us, you're there. So, you know, you don't need to know that, but you're whatever. Um, you can also find us at uh, by the time you hear this dot com. Check us out. We're on there. Um, if you have the, um, the IG Instagram, you can find us there at, by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U and that it cause that that's because <laughs> we're upstanding yes. and not under investigation and not from any of those countries. Yeah. But if we were, we, we wouldn't, we, we'd be, we're, we're good people. Look, yeah. look, the president doesn't know any brown people. That's all this means. Yes, he does. Um, they. Well, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. We ain't that type ooh, of podcast. Ooh, I'm ben stop. Carson. Mm. But anyway, no, it was gonna be worse. Oh, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. We're not that type of podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, if you want to listen to us on the go, um, you can you can check us out on Podomatic. You can check us out on iTunes. I'm back on that train. The Apple Podcast Player. <sighs> I mean, it's it's good. It's not bad. I can I can definitely find more podcasts there than I could on on Google Music. So it's got that going for it. Um, you can also find us tune in radio, Castbox, um, Auto Radio, Overcast. Um, I think that's is that. I'm trying to think of there one more. I said Castbox, Overcast, Auto Radio, Tune In Radio, Podomatic. Satchel podcast, podcast player, yeah. which has the cool feature. You can find podcasts made in your area. Yes. So, um, yeah, check us out. And then of course, you know, check back at the Facebook page to see when we're doing this. We didn't do it last time, but we typically try to do them, you know, whenever we can. Yes. Put a face with the name and the voice. All right. Um, so we're going to end the show with the song uh, co-written <laughs> by Steve Lukather and Jay, what's it, Jay Drayton? Jay Drayton, I think. Jay the guy Grayton. who played Jay the Grayton. solo on Steely Dan's Peg. Yes. Who? And that was one thing we forgot to mention. They get a lot of respect. They got a lot of respect on that in that pot in this uh, documentary. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're gonna play the song uh, "Turn Your Love Around" by George Benson. Written on the toilet. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to end the show with that. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace.
Show. Sure. 